to keep us pressing on and on and on, we need people we respect and look up to. Interestingly, they are never people who are sort of 90-day wonders. They're not people who have just sort of jumped into the Christian life. Usually there are those with what we would call longevity. Often they've started young in their life of faith, and over the period of years they have developed and matured and become, for many, mentors. Not just models, but people whom we count on to be there, to spur us on. I find it also interesting that those are the pictures that often wind up on our desk or on our walls, on the bureau. They help us stand taller and reach higher and live better. We're always amazed when we're around them because age hasn't seemed to have taken a toll on them. They just are pressing on as we press on. And that's what, that's what motivates us. The late David Hubbard in his book, Beyond Futility, which is his little book on Ecclesiastes, wraps it up with a final chapter where he tells a story of a man like that. Interestingly, he never gives us his name. He only describes him. He was a theologian and a teacher and a mountain climber. I knew that, but I was still not ready for his words when he said, I would like to get another crack at the Alps, or at least a chance to tackle the Grand Tetons. His eyes were steely as he spoke, and they flashed with hopes about the future, speechless in amazement, I, I looked at his tall frame, trim as a javelin, erect as a lance. My amazement was not based on any doubts about his climbing prowess. His feats were known to a wide circle of his acquaintances. What surprised me about his hopeful words as he recalled his desire to scale the Alps or take on the Tetons was that he knew what it was to grow older without letting either the thought of the reality of aging destroy his spirit. You see, he was over 90 years of age when he spoke those words to me. He had learned in the process of growing older to mature. 
His spirit had enlarged and ripened. Even while his body felt the taxing toll of time, joy and hope were strong even where muscles and sinews had begun to weaken. Coping with the, with the futility that some feel in old age was a skill he had developed and mastered well. His vitality defied the old grotesque picture of aging. When you think of aging, what mental picture do you have? Quite likely it is not of a man like that, and that is regrettable. How marvelous it is to meet those who, while growing old, have continued to grow up, while adding years are also maturing. And when you stop to think about those you admire, those you appreciate, they qualify in that area. It's people who master that kind of balance that we admire the most those in whom joy and hope remain strong as they celebrate one birthday after another, after another, from one decade to the next. All this brings me to the beginning of the final chapter in Solomon's journal. I'm grateful that by now he has left aside his cynical thoughts. He's returning, it seems, to a more... Well, a wiser way of life. And he's decided to, to pass it along to those who are younger. And if I may add this, we dare not miss one word. In fact, I, I pictured this image as he reaches chapter 12. I think of him as, a, as an aging school teacher or professor at a university. He's been there for years. He pushes away from the desk. He stands to full height. He looks across the classroom at those younger than he. He stares into various faces, takes a deep breath. And then, in a few decibels, louder than normal, he says to them with that long index finger, do not forget one word I'm going to tell you today. He's referring to a time yet future for those in the classroom. They're not there yet. In fact, some of them can't imagine being there. Many a youth can't imagine being older and finding life a challenge that is not right now. And so it is the tendency of the young to waste many of their years and sometimes to get involved in things that are not only unwholesome and unhealthy, but unspiritual. The relevant words of Warren Wiersbe 
or worth repeating. The best way to have a happy adult life and a contented old age is to get a good start early in life and avoid the things that will bring you trouble later on. He continues, young people who take care of their minds and bodies avoid the destructive sins of the flesh and build good habits of health and holiness. Having a better chance for a happy series of adult years that lie before them, more so than those who sow their wild oats and later pray for a crop failure. I like the ending of his words. How many fall in that category? Maybe you, or you, or you. I've spoken to many a man and some women who look back on their youth with a measure of regret, some of them out and out shame. They speak of having to break old, long-standing habits that they formed early on in life. It wasn't that they fell into drugs that took their toll or that they became alcoholics. They just picked up habits that were unhealthy and they never broke them. In fact, they cultivated them as they operated in a culture like that. How much better to gain wisdom? Sarah Teasdale put it best. When I've ceased to break my wings against the faultiness of things and learned that compromises wait behind each hardly open gate. When I can look life in the eyes, grown calm and very coldly wise, life will have given me the truth and taken an exchange my youth. It's rare to find anyone young and wise. Seems like wisdom comes with aging. But it's delayed often when a life is spent wastefully early on. So Solomon is getting our attention. The attention of the young. In fact, seven times in seven verses, he uses the same word. Remember, 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 remember. In fact, often he adds the word before. Remember this before. Remember this before. Not after. Remember it before. Those things take their toll on you. Because you see, when you have cultivated those unspiritual habits, it's like dragging an emotional anchor for much of your life in the years to come. Solomon is saying there's a better way to live. We, we use the word remember often, and it's never a laughing matter. Remember our POWs. Remember those who have fallen in battle. Remember 9-11. Suddenly we're sober. We think back and we think deeper. 
Hopefully, we learn lessons by just remembering what has come through our minds. That's what this is about. Except in this case, it's not the prisoners of war. It's not those who have died in battle. This is about missing it when you're young and longing for it when you're older and you can't go back. I like the way the, the seven verses before us develop. He, he begins with a, with, with, with a mental situation of the aging in verse 1. He then turns to the physical in verses 2 through 6. And then he comes to the finale in verse 7. It's sort of like the picture of a deteriorating house. And you work your way through it and you, you realize it's, it's really not about a house. It's, it's about a life. Every life. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, put it well in few words. Youthful sins lay a foundation for aged sorrows. So Solomon is saying, in effect, don't go there. Remember these things before you go there. Look with me at verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, or the new living renders it. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. When you're younger, you'll be exposed to all kinds of theories and ideas and suggestions and thoughts, even from those older, and, and they, will, they will get you off track. And before you know it, you're on your own. And thoughts of the Creator, which you had young in life, growing up in Sunday school or at the knee of your parents, it's easy as you gain a few years to get a little more sophisticated. And he said, no, that isn't sophistication. That's foolishness. In fact, he adds, honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Then he moves into one of the early and familiar characteristics of aging, and that's depression. Look at verse 2. Remember him before, there are the words, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your skies. This isn't about a sun, moon, or stars, literally. It's about life that's darkening and becoming dismal. Every day becomes cloudy, disappointing, regrettable. Remember him before those depressing times set in. Then he goes further. In fact, what, what I see in verses 3 through, through uh, 6 
is, is like a physical exam that a physician would do. Uh, I don't know about your physician, but mine always begins with my feet. He starts with my toes, looks over my feet carefully, checks my ankles, goes up to my legs, then my knees, checks both of them, looks carefully at my thighs, gets into my abdomen, and checks the chest, shoulders, arms, hands, elbows, wrists, fingers. And he gets to the neck, feels all around my neck, gets in my mouth, has me open up nice and wide, and uh, always puts that thing on my tongue and has me make sounds while he's in there looking in my throat. Then he looks in my nose and ears and eyes and finally winds up at my scalp. Feet to scalp. That's a good physical exam. That's like this. Look at this. Look at verse 3. Remember him before the guards of your house. Your legs start to tremble and before your shoulders the strong men begin to stoop. Now, you know what? A 15-year-old reads that and he goes, give me a break. That, that, that is never going to happen to me. I work out regularly. You know I mean? Look at me. The fit is a fiddle. I mean, well, just wait. <laughs> just wait. You may work out as hard and long as you, as you care to, but age is no protector of persons. It's no friend of grace. As you continue to live your life, remember him before your teeth. I like the way this reads. Your few remaining servants stop grinding. Before your eyes, the women looking through the windows grow dim. Trouble with your eyes as you get older. I'm struggling with some of that myself. I, you, you, you think you, you never will. You, you, you just don't even think about things like that when you're younger. But he's convincing the reader that's going to happen, that's going to occur. Your teeth won't always look like that. Enjoy them while you have them. There they are. Take care of them. And the, the, by the way, uh, it, it, it's funny when, when you're around an older couple. Not that I'm talking, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about a real older couple. And, and, and it, it's funny to hear them talk to each other when they're working with their computer or they're trying to. You hear, and one of them says, what's going on down there? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing fixed. So you're pounding on a keyboard. So you hear that. So you come down the stairs and you take a look and you... And she says, can, can you fix that? And you don't know any more about it. You go, sure. You, go, you try your hand at it, and you suddenly you punch the right button or the right key. It works. <laughs> she says, why? Oh, kind of matter-of-factly, she says, I'm, 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 I'm proud of you. And, and you say in return, I'm kind of tired of you too. Proud, tired. They sound alike. 
It's the way you communicate when you're, and, and it's, when you're there going through it, it isn't funny. But people who watch it and listen to it go, this is the craziest couple. No, we're not crazy. We're just getting up in years. And we have no business messing with a computer. But we keep working at it. Others can do it. And you bring in a, a geek, you know, these people with Coke bottle bottom glasses that say, what's the trouble? And they go, there, that was easy. I say, don't say easy. Because you know which button to push doesn't mean you're, it's easy. As soon as you leave, it gets hard again. I don't know what it is. It happens. Now, the reason I'm having a little fun with you about it is because when you live alone and it's all about you going through this, it isn't funny. Not only do you not look like you used to look, you don't think like you used to think. You can't operate things like you used to operate them. It affects many, many parts of your life. And Solomon, I think, is now up in years. Now that he reaches this place in his journal, he's saying there's one thing you never want to lose contact with, and that is your God, your God. He's the only one who was there before your birth, forming you and shaping you and putting within you the gifts that would make you you, giving you that face, giving you that body structure, giving you those gifts, giving you the ability to whatever. He was there. He took delight in it at your birth. He'll be there when there's a death rattle. He'll be there. Remember him. Stay close to him. Don't let the passing of time Push him away. Let me show you how it works. Verse, verse 4. Remember him before the door to life's opportunity is closed. It's not so much about doors and opportunities. It's about hearing. Look at it. And the sound of work fades. Now, now you rise at the first chirp of the birds. But then all the sounds will grow faint. When you're young, you never think about that. You don't, you don't even give a passing thought to it, but age comes. Verse 5, remember him before you become fearful. Now it gets really personal. There's acrophobia, fear of heights. Germophobia, fear of germs. There's the fear of falling. There's worry about the dangers in the streets. You didn't have that earlier. You didn't care whether it's day or night. You'd go to a party that started at 10 o'clock at night. You didn't care about what time it was. Now, no, I'm not sure we could do that. It'll be dark by then. 
or we don't want to get home after dark or be careful. You know, think about visiting your grandparents or really your great-grandparents. They're, they're the ones that do it. And you get ready to drive away. They'll tell you to be careful 19 times before you've backed out of the driveway. Now, be, be careful. There's, there are lights down at this corner down there. Don't, don't forget. There's a stop sign over here. Be careful. Be careful. And you never know who may walk up. Lock your doors. What is it? Fear of danger. That's coming. And he's describing it. He even says, oh boy, this gets personal. Before your hair turns white, like an almond tree in bloom. Now that's a beautiful way to put it. That's beautiful. When you're in Israel and the almond trees, which proliferate there, they're in bloom. It's, it's like magnificent. Uh, but in life, your, your hair is dark. And, and then it, I got to be careful here. Then it gets silver. Then it may turn white. <laughs> then bald, you know. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I do not know what color my wife's hair is. <laughs> I, I do not know. And as she puts it, you will never know what color my hair. So I have a very nice beauty salon. I bought the wall and the ceiling in the place. As we, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. Why? Because if nothing were done, I'm going to be really careful with this. If nothing were done to her hair, it would look different. How's that? You do learn a few things after a few years. I'm going to leave that and go right on. <laughs> Notice this. You will drag yourself along without energy like a dying grasshopper. That's a good way to put it, Solomon. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desires. So that's sexual impotence that comes. And Remember this hymn before you, you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Now, nobody's laughing. Of course not. One of the beautiful, wonderful things about being in ministry is that you are, you are dealing with people at every level of life, every stage, and you watch closely. If you're worth your weight, you're, you're careful with your words and you listen more than you speak, and you watch families grieve, and you watch death happen. And it's gripping. Solomon has his work cut out for him because he's talking to the young and they're, they're bulletproof. They're never going to die. And they die every day. Oh, they ultimately will. 
In fact, the way it comes upon you is in the next verse. Remember your creator now while you're young. Before, watch closely, the silver cord snaps. Probably the spinal, a reference to the spinal cord. And the golden bowl is broken, probably a, a clot, a stroke. And the end comes near. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. This would be the circulation and the blood slows and the clot forms and the stroke happens. And you can't feel and you can't move. As with my father, you can't swallow even a little pill or water. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to the God, the one who gave it. Isn't that beautiful? Solomon could have gone on, but that's far enough. That's about the attention span of the young. They'll listen long enough to that, and that is the point where it's almost unbearable. Why? Because you're having a great time. It's all about, you know, live it up, have at it. Feels good, do it. Solomon is saying it's, you're going to waste your time if all you do is play with life. I came across in my work a, a, a song that's got some years on it. it, has haunting lyrics. Some of you will remember it. Most of you maybe by now have forgotten if you ever did hear it. And uh, written by Billy Barnes. It's titled, Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair? Listen to these words. I wanted the music to play on forever. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I wanted the clown to be constantly clever. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I bought me blue ribbons to tie up my hair, but I couldn't find anybody to care. The merry-go-round is beginning to slow now. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I wanted to live in a carnival city with laughter and love everywhere. I wanted my friends to be thrilling and witty. I wanted somebody to care. I found my blue ribbons all shiny and new, but now I discovered them no longer blue. The merry-go-round is beginning to taunt me. Have I stayed too long at the fair? There's nothing to win and no one to want me. Have I stayed too long? at the fair.
If, if nothing else, Solomon is saying, don't stay there too long. Stop living in the fair. It's a fantasy. Furthermore, you will live not, not to where you will have haunting lyrics from a song, but you will, you will have haunting memories of your past. So I have four wonderful words of reality that will help you face life as it should be lived. Listen to them carefully. Even you who are young and think you have forever. First, death is certain and you're not getting any younger. Second, God has designed you to be empty without him. He made you that way. Pascal put it beautifully, there's a God-shaped vacuum within all of us, and only God can fill it. You're empty without him. And no merry-go-round will take away the emptiness. God has designed you to be empty without him. Third, now is the time to reach out to the only one who unconditionally loves you and will be with you through death. Let me say a further word about that. Ask most people what death is. They'll say, well, it's the end of life. It's not true. It's not true. It's, it's the end of earthly life, but it goes on. We're eternal. We creatures are eternal. He made us like that. So that when death happens, our spirit leaves our body. And that spirit lives on. If you know the Savior, you're in his presence at the moment of death and your body goes to the grave or wherever it may be and it awaits the resurrection. If you don't know the Savior, makes me tearful to tell you your future is as bleak as you, can, you can't imagine it. And it's eternal. There is no purgatory. There is no praying yourself out of it. That's a fantasy. Made to make you feel better during life. But I'm committed to reality. And so I will tell you, now's the time to reach out to the one who unconditionally loves you and will be with you through death. Fourth, what you need is found only in Jesus Christ. That's the truth.
You will not find it in any activity on this earth. You will not find it in any other philosophy. There is no other savior. There is no other God. There is no other cross. There is no other hope. This is an exclusive, narrow plan. That's how God designed it. It's his sovereign right. It was a great time for you to truly wake up. Leave the fair. Enter into reality. Turn to Christ. Bow your heads with me, will you please? In a moment, we're going to sit around the Lord's table, as it were. We're going to eat a tiny piece of pastry and drink a small cup of juice. In doing so, it isn't a ritual, no. It's, here we are again, it's something to remember. And by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the privilege of coming to the table and by walking in a relationship with him, we have the privilege of eating this pastry and drinking from this cup. If you're sitting in your home, this is a wonderful moment to get a piece of pastry of any kind and a small container of a beverage and observe the table with us. Paul wrote, I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink all of it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you keep on declaring the Lord's death and resurrection till he comes. This is your moment, not only to enter into faith in Christ, but to slide your feet under the table and enjoy these elements with us. You're lost. No amount of good works will somehow make you favorable to God. You are simply at his mercy to trust his grace. Trust him now. He will accept you and forgive you, and you will be eternally his. Yes, eternally. And then partake with us. First the bread, then the cup. Thank you, dear Father, for the, the marvel of this moment 
Thank you for the reminder that has been ours as believers to claim through the years. It goes all the way back to when your son sat with his disciples at the table. Make this time meaningful as we remember him, whom to know is life everlasting. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.